David, David, David. What? I want you to quickly come up with your own intro. Go. No. That's come up with job. your own intro. Come up that with is, your own intro. That is not my job. Wow. You just shut that down right away, didn't you? I will boycott. You will boycott. Turn this computer off. Okay. Sorry. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 31 of Bleeding Blue. And the New York football Giants season has ended with a 5-11 and record. And today, David and I will be giving out some end-of-the-season awards, break down some end-of-the-season quotes, and look forward to what will hopefully be a productive offseason. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. fast intro wow. uh, that intro ended faster than the giant season this year wow snap snap could you thank you we need to we should get like we should get like noises a soundboard right like a soundboard yeah that we can that we can pipe in well that would involve me spending a decent amount of money and also i just found out that i can do this yesterday you can like copy and paste a YouTube link, and then you can convert it to an MP4 file, which then I can edit and I can chop. So maybe maybe I can like use the power of YouTube and the power of editing to have a soundboard that I can add in afterwards. Wouldn't right? be illegal. Well, I'm not making money off of this, and I'm not really posting it onto YouTube. It's the Apple Podcast app. You can do whatever you want except talk Great. about you know, I mean, no, that's fine. If we're talking about like state secrets and we're talking about like top secret information, which we shouldn't know and we shouldn't and we shouldn't tell to the public, that's the only thing that Apple is on the lookout for. Fair. All right, cool. Sounds good. But we're not but we're not doing that. Get started. Okay. Um, so here is some housekeeping items. Hello. We probably may have some first time listeners and they're probably wondering what in the hell is going on. <laughs> My name is Justin. My co-host's name is David. This is a podcast called Bleeding Blue on the New York Football Giants and the Evil Empire Yankees, and we're this—that's what we attempt to talk about. We we attempt and we try to do a good job. You try your hardest. You do your best. Um, you should follow our Twitter pages. Follow us on Twitter. David's Twitter is at David Double Underscore Powers. My Twitter is at JPenic seventy four, and Bleeding Blue's Twitter is at bleeding double underscore blue. So bleeding with one underscore blue was taken. So I did bleeding double underscore blue. After me. Took a page right. out of my book. I said that, you know, what's the best way to do this? And then David double underscore powers gave me the best the way to do Double underscore it. Is, a, is a cheat code. We're telling state secrets. The uh, Apple's going to oh, shut us down now. We're screwed. we're screwed. Speaking of Apple, Justin. Yes. I thought that was my that was my segue for you to talk about liking us and giving us a review. Well, maybe how about you announce that, David? No, see, now it's ruined. Now you go for it. Okay. All right. Well, you know, 
Speaking of Apple, give us five stars and write a review on the Apple Podcast app. We're currently sitting at 19 ratings. Uh, we'll give some shout outs if you, you know, leave a good nickname and if you leave a leave and if you leave a funny review, if you get us to 20 ratings, uh, I'll love you forever. And we'll give some shout outs on the podcast. Uh, maybe we'll even do like a contest eventually because we really want to get those five star ratings on the Apple Podcast app up. The funnier the better. Also. If you've already left the review, you can edit the review, blah, blah, blah. You know what to do. Bleeding Blue has also launched a website. We have a few blogs, and we have some links. We have some YouTube videos of an interview that we did with John Boy, and then we have some best of episodes and the descriptions of those episodes. So if you're new and you want to look back on some episodes that are like best of and what I think is the best of the podcast, it's already there for you. So that's on the in the bio of my Twitter page is bleeding blues website okay i'm done with the housekeeping david how are you doing today i'm doing pretty well tell me was this past weekend not one of the worst uh nfl weekends for a giants fan i i enjoyed watching football but i will admit the specifically at the end of that eagles game i was just like okay i'm sick and tired of this miraculous philadelphia eagles run it's crap. i want to I want it to stop. It's just crap. Because you know what's really crazy? I believe there were two times this year that a ball double-doinked and went in against the Giants this year. Of course, for the Eagles, it double-doinks and go out. And, you know, Philadelphia now is going to do- – double-doink is going to be the new Philly like Philly special. And they're going to have Bud Light cans with double-doink on them because Philly. they're pathetic and they've got nothing. Philly, Philly, dilly, dilly, double-doink. Double doink. You know whose fault it is? Uh, Benjamin Franklin's. Good guess. I was going to say Eli Manning. It's all Eli's fault. Did you know that? I'm not. I'm. I'm not doing this. <laughs> it's all Eli. We're not going to get through this episode. <laughs> I think we should. Our goal this year, not this year. This 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 episode should be to avoid Eli Manning. What do you mean? What if he gets an award? You know what? I'm willing to take a chance. You were like the world traveler. Tell us all the places in the world that you went to. I mean, I didn't go to that many places, and none of them were that fun. Uh, but I went to Philadelphia for a hot sec to see some to see some friends, do some stuff, and then for New Year's, I left the great city of New York of New York on New Year's to go to Cleveland, Ohio, because where else would you go for New Year's? That's right. And you know, I I was booking a hotel. And I got really panicked that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to be able to find a room because, like, you know, it's New Year's and it's going to be really difficult to find a room. And then I realized, no, everybody leaves Cleveland, so there's plenty of room in Cleveland to hang and to to stay. So it was it was very easy. Um, Cleveland was about what you'd expect. It was dark. It was dreary. It was kind of sad. The celebration lasted for about an hour, and then people realized they were still in Cleveland, and then nothing changed in 2019. Uh, and then I came back. And I've been here since. Back in New York. It's cold. You're really no, mean no. and rude. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of salty today. I'm, I'm feeling like the world has wronged me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, Philly just pissed me off on Sunday. And they continue to piss me off for, like, my life. Dallas pissed me off on Saturday. Should we start, like, a therapy podcast? Is that, what, is that next? Do you need to just talk to me about your life? And then I'll post it for the public to hear? That sounds good. Okay. Yeah, I could right. use it. All right, so um, 
Yeah. Um. Why don't we? What are we gonna do first? Are we gonna do awards first, or are we gonna do Gettleman, Shermer, end of season quotes, or we could do quotes first? Okay. Yeah. Great. It's the most like legitimate news that we probably should address. Mm -mm. News talking about news. Okay. So Justin, what do you think about uh, Dwayne Haskins declaring for the NFL draft? That's not, that's legitimately, we just talked about that we were going to be talking about quotes, and now you're asking me about Dwayne Haskins. What side are you on? On the Dwayne Haskins debate, or on what should we do next debate? I thought we were going to be talking about end of season quotes, but now you're like, oh. We can, I just, I was trying to, I was trying to fill dead air. Oh my God, I can edit dead air. No. Um, Okay, what do I think of, what do I, what do I think about Dwayne Haskins entering the NFL draft? Well, I need to watch more film as along with that's that's actually every single other Giants person on Twitter and every single other Giants podcaster has said, I need to watch more film on him. And I'm going to, you also use that line, but I actually do have an article here that 15 things Giants fan need to know about QB Dwayne Haskins by Jan- Dan Schneider, which I've talked about. It. No, it's not. There's no D at the end. How do you pronounce this guy's name? Dan Schneer. Dan Schneer, I guess. It's not Schneider? It's not. There's no D unless there's a spelling error. I'm pretty sure it's Schneider. All right, hold on. Let's, let's, let's figure this out now. Maybe he had a spelling error on his own article. That's a bad look. Because I'm pretty sure I I follow him on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure it's Schneider. no, no. It's there's no D. It's Dan S C H N E I E R. That's like Mandela effect shit right there. That's crazy. It's not Schneider. It's it's like Schneider. all right. Now someone needs to comment when they when they like us. Whoa! What was that? That was a motorcycle. Oh my god! Someone now when they comment on you know and they give us a review on um, Apple, they need to. Tell us if they thought it was Schneider also. Because we need to make this a thing. Because I'm pretty sure it's Schneider. It's the Mandela effect, man. I, I, I want this to become a big thing. Okay. This is how we're going to get big, Justin. Is by Dan Schneider's question mark name. This is, this is our breakthrough. I don't trust anything now. Everything's a lie. My life is a lie. Mandela. All right, move on. Keep going. It's kind of weird how much Dwayne Haskins wants to become a giant. It's weird. I love it. I don't know why a Giants fan wouldn't be excited about that. He's like obsessed with. He's us. from Jersey. Like, like ugh, get away. He's, he's, a, he's a Jersey kid. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I don't, I, you know, he clearly can play. It's just a matter of whether or not you think he's worth the sixth overall pick or potentially a top five pick. But I don't see a, a problem with a guy who's very open with saying, I want to be on this team. Yeah, I. It's just a matter of. Does he want to what no excuse me, not does he want to be a giant? Do the Giants like him? Do the Giants want him? And are they willing to trade up into the top five, possibly top three to get him? Because I do think another team is going to jump the Giants. Yeah, you think him. so? Yeah, yeah. I think Jaguar, or I think the ja- Jacksonville. I think the Jacksonville or Denver, you know? I I, I can see those what pick, are, what pick is Denver? They're Behind the Giants, they're like nine. Jacksonville is seven. Seven. We'll we'll see reports and stuff as that as that comes out. But takeaways: Dwayne Haskins is the best quarterback Urban Meyer's ever seen. I mean, Ohio State hasn't had that many proven NFL talents, so take that with a grain of salt. 
Dwayne Haskins for a sophomore, first-year starter. Pretty good football IQ. Pretty talented arm. He, he's not really that mobile guy. I think, like, I feel like just because he's young, that people are like, oh, oh yeah, he's mobile, and he's a quarterback for Ohio State. He's not really that mobile, but anybody's better mobility-wise than Eli Manning. So we shall see as the combine goes on and as people people who are more football knowledgeable than you and me, what they come out and what they say about Haskins. But So that's Dwayne Haskins. The Dwayne Haskins and future Giants draft pick conversation will continue. Let's get to the Dave Gettleman quotes. We'll kind of go through some of the quick points quickly, and then we can also analyze Dave Gettleman quotes as we do the awards too, because that kind of matters. So Dave Gettleman had his end-of-the-season press conference, and I was very, very interested to see the kind of tone that he had coming in. So I'm going to say these quotes with Dave Gettleman's fake Boston accent. Are you ready for this? Oh, man. All right, I'm going to say some of them with my regular voice because I don't know how you would say them in a, in a Boston accent. We're headed in the right direction. I really believe that. Great, Dave Gettleman. All right, now he says this with, about Eli Manning. He had an extensive, no-holds-bad conversation. We will do what's best in the interest of New York Giants. We're trying to build sustained success. This is, this is a terrible accent. That is the worst Boston accent I've ever heard. I know, I know he has no holds bad. He had like a, he, it's because it's fake. He has a fake Boston accent. It's fake. It's something like I've never heard before. We're trying to build sustained success that takes brutal honesty and some tough decisions. So he basically, he doesn't know. He's not willing to say about what he's going to do with Eli Manning. They had a no holds bad conversation. Oh my God. What that entailed, I don't know. Eli Manning apparently initiated that meeting it wasn't dave gettleman calling him into his office as a bad boy because he's been a bad boy like the principal would call you into the office so it was eli it was an eli manning led meeting so much for the whole not mentioning eli this episode but eli initiating the conversation basically just says to me that eli went to him and i'm my guess is the conversation went something like hey i want to be the quarterback next year and gettleman said okay but you're gonna take a pay cut and he was like okay I, I kind of saw that coming, and my guess is Gettleman told him we're looking to dra- we might draft a quarterback this year, and if there needs to be competition, there will be a competition when the time comes. I can imagine that Eli Manning would not want the same thing that happened to Kurt Warner to happen to him, though. Probably, I can imagine that scenario. He was like, "No, thank you." Well, yeah, I mean, he knows what that was like. Now, this is an ongoing conversation, so because there's just a lot of things to touch on, Dave Gettleman. This is interesting. Dave Gettleman, I just hate the word rebuild. You just keep going. You just keep building. It's really what we're doing here. We're doing our best to accumulate talent and hate to flip and lose. Ads, we're going to get this right. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. We Can we fix it? Yes, we can. And then he said, roster building is a 12-month season. We had a significant overhaul this year. We still do have roster work to do. Now, you, you, you kind of sound like you're half pregnant there, Dave. Why? What's wrong with what he said? Because he hates rebuilding, right? But he ultimately recognizes how much work the roster needs and still is needed and still needs to go through. So right. why, not, why not just say that you're rebuilding? Why not well, just I think, say? I think his, I think his point, I, I feel like people are reading that the wrong way. I think people are reading that and saying, 
and him saying, I hate rebuilding, therefore I'm not going, I don't think we need to, I'm not going to. I think what he's saying is, I hate rebuilding, I hate being in this situation, but it's a necessary evil. It's, it's something we have to go through because our roster's not finished and it's in the right direction, but it's not there. So basically saying, I don't like being here any more than the rest of you do, but we we need to work on this consistently and thoroughly to get to get ourselves out of a rebuilding mode and get us into a competitive mode. That's how I read it. I actually asked, I want to give myself credit for this. Of course you do. Jordan, because I because I'm an egotistical, selfish person. Jordan mm-hmm. Ronan, before the Giants press conference, said, What's one thing you want to ask Dave Gettleman? And the one thing I wanted to ask him is I said, Do you Dave Gettleman? Do you think that you misevaluated the potential of this year's roster and where this team ultimately finished? Do you think you misevaluated? Do you think you misjudged? Um, and then lo and behold, what I thought was a quote that went missing from a lot of beat, re- beat reporters, but Jordan Ronan kind of put this in. Gettleman, I didn't misjudge at all where the team was heading into the season. He even asked for examples of why that of why that perception existed. Well, Dave, you won five games. That's why that perception existed. He mentions they finished the season with one of the youngest rosters, but ultimately the quote was he did not misjudge at all. Dave, what do you think of Dave Gettleman's uh I didn't judge the potential and where this roster, where this 2018, 2018 team went? What do you what do you think about that quote? Do you think he misjudged? I mean, obviously. I mean, there's. I mean, you don't go five and eleven. You don't make the moves that they, that he made made over the offseason. You know, you don't bring in Patrick Omame. You don't bring in uh, Solder. Nate Solder. Yeah, Nate, that was the one I was looking for specifically. You don't bring these guys in if you don't think you've got a chance to compete and you've got more talent than you probably do. I mean, what do you want him to say? I I, I don't expect him to say. I misjudged it. Some, I because I think some fans would 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 receive that positively, and I think other fans would receive that as this is a guy who knows he doesn't know what he's doing, and can now see that. So I I understand his cliched answer of I'm going to give you the reasons why it didn't work, but we have the talent. I, I the talent we had is the talent I thought we had. He's gonna he's gonna you know BS his way around it. Um. Well, he definitely. Which he's very, he's very good at doing that. All GMs are. Every GM is. Every coach is. And the coaches that aren't, because I don't know any GMs that aren't, the coaches that aren't either A, good at that, or B, just choose not to do that, are usually the only coaches you get the sound bites from. They're the coaches that nobody, re- that nobody really, that don't, they don't really stick around. You got to play the game, especially in New York. Um, and I think Gettleman knows that. As far as whether or not he did judge the the roster poorly, I think he definitely did. You know, I, I don't think I don't think Eli performed the way that he thought Eli could perform. I don't think this makeshift offensive line, especially in the first couple weeks of the season, I don't think what they did over the off season, those specific moves on the offensive line did not work. Um, it took a little bit of time for Nate Solder to settle into place, and I and I think the theory on why he got better as the season went on has more to do with the rest of the offensive line than it does him. I don't I don't think the defense performed even close to what people expected them to perform. You know, the secondary was a mess for the majority of the year. Their their young their young front seven played well in spurts, but not well enough. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think 
I don't think he did judge it well, but I, I don't expect him to say anything different, as, as frustrating as that may be. Lovely. Indeed. Again, ongoing conversation that we can have. Any other significant quotes will be said as the episode goes on. All right, David, let's transition. Awards, awards, awards. Yes. We did this. We did this for the Yankee episodes. Talking Yanks also gives out awards at the end of each series. Um, but and we started the game ball business, which I really liked. I would really like to continue that. But let's uh, let's give out some awards to this New York Football Giants football team. I would like you to start. Okay. Should we just start start with the serious ones, or should we start with some of the? We'll start with the serious ones. Start with the serious ones. Yeah. So. Um... Justin, I believe you and I agree on this one. The MVP of the Giants' 2018 season, mine is Saquon Barkley. Um, I mean, the dude's phenomenal. He he handled everything this season, which was a difficult season. This is a guy who's not used to who's not used to this kind of losing. He he comes in with all the fanfare. He's got all these you know, advertisement deals, promotional deals before he even steps foot on a a football field for the Giants. And he handles a very, very difficult season with class, performance, everything you'd want from a future face of your franchise. Not to mention he broke, basically, he broke or came near every rookie running back record you can come up with in what was otherwise a lost season. And I do believe he, he... personally kept them in some games and he personally won them football games this year and that's the definition uh, definition of an MVP you you can see the difference when Wayne Gallman comes in the game I mean and and it's just it's night and day so imagine having you know last year's running back is Orlean Starkwa imagine what Orlean Starkwa does behind this offensive line and in this offense for a lot of the season it's probably not going to be even half of what Saquon Barkley produced he gives them a reason to be excited. He, he, is the, he is the hope for this Giants franchise going forward. 2028 scrimmage yards, 89 catches. He's the third rookie in NFL history, 2,000 yards from scrimmage. He came two catches away from breaking Odo Beckham Jr.'s rookie reception record, which is kind of nuts and kind of crazy, you know, coming from running back. And uh, David, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. He won us football games, kept us in football games, like you said, put the team on his back. You saw it week 17. When did that kind of comeback start in the fourth quarter against Cowboys? It started when Saquon Barkley and that offensive line decided to open up some holes and when the Giants could give him the ball in some creative circumstances and they got him in the open field and he could do some things. You know, that 68-yard run week 17 against the Cowboys that really ignited, sparked us, got us back in the game. There you go. That's our summary of the Cowboy game. Can, can, that, that was good. That was really good. You know what's crazy? <laughs> you, you mentioned you mentioned that he, he ended two catches behind Odell, right? Yeah, for the rookie record, yeah. For the rookie record. You know what's crazy about that? Odell missed four games that year. Yeah, he also missed four games this year, too. And we're, and we're well, going to talk about his record. And, and, yeah, and we're not his records, but... No, but I just think that's crazy. Like, he, he had 80... He had, wait, wait, so Saquon had 89. He had 91. Yeah. Yeah. He had 91 catches and he missed four games. That's just amazing in my opinion. But I I digress. All right. So even though this season, you know, Saquon Barkley was the MVP because of Dave Gettleman's misevaluation of the roster and 
this fan sided article, which fans a lot of people have different opinions of fan sided. This fan sided article basically says the New York Giants basically just wasted Saquon Barkley's historic season, and they compared him to Barry Sanders, which is a first Shut of all the hell up. No, which first of all is a very good comparison based off of just watching them play the game of football. How I completely they are, disagree. How strong they are. Okay, great. But also, I think no. I I think if I compare him to a classic running back, I I I think more a like Earl Campbell, um, like Eric Dickerson ish. Barry Sanders was just pure was just pure agility and elusiveness, where Saquon mixes that with like bursts of speed, acceleration, and just pure power. It's it's insane. He's a he's a monster. Did you know he he. He could squat six fifty in college. I could do that on a good day. It's insane. Oh. But also, not only physically can you can you or can't you compare Saquon to, to Barry Sanders? They compared it to him based off of a potential or kind of like track of where his career is going. Where Barry Sanders was one and five in the playoffs, and basically kind of you can argue cut his career short because he was on a franchise that wasn't going anywhere. And basically, I this is my favorite line of the article. It's called winning the battle, but losing the war. Where Saquon Barkley, obviously, or Barry Sanders, let's just say, Barry Sanders obviously put on the gold jacket to end his career, but do you think that possibly he would trade away that that golden Hall of Fame jacket? for a Super Bowl ring, maybe even more than one, you know, I don't really know. I'm not Barry Sanders, but some people would. Some people would trade away, you know, such such great careers for for some Super Bowl rings. Um, so so let me ask you this, David. Was was uh was Saquon Barkley's season, historic season, a waste? And you say no. You say that's wrong. Every no, every player on this Giants team had a waste of a season. It's not just Saquon Barkley. The fans had a waste. Eli Manning had a waste. Everybody on this team this year had a waste. If you don't win the Super Bowl, in my opinion, you're, 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 everybody's season was a waste. That being said, so Saquon Barkley had a really good had had a an a historic rookie season. So what? I have every reason to believe that next year he will do the same thing. I also have every reason to believe that if you if we're comparing Barry Sanders, first of all, they're comparing Barry Sanders' career to right. Saquon Barkley's freshman season, which makes no right. sense. It, it, like, you, you, can co- you can compare rookie season to rookie season, but that doesn't, that, that's just an illogical argument. But I have full belief that the Giants are, and we can debate to what extent, but I believe the Giants are more on the up than Barry Sanders' Lions teams often were. They were always just good enough to squeak into the playoffs. Like you said, one and five in the postseason. I I do believe that the Giants have have a lot of um playoff success in their future. Don't know how, you know, it might be in the near distant future. But first of all, I think they need to make they need to make up their mind what their argument is. If you want to say he he it was a waste of a season, of course it was, but it was a waste of everybody's season. I don't think we can just highlight one player season and say, oh, we wasted that one. And he'll, honestly, he'll do it again. He's the best running back in the NFL. I think he's going to have a better year next year. Yeah. There's no reason why he wouldn't. Because when you, when you look at a lot of his, game, his games this year, especially in the beginning of the year, you know, 
his first game, first game of the season against the Jaguars, he had like 20 yards rushing, except for a 70 yard touchdown run. Right. right. Um, they really were only able to use him in the passing game, which got him all the all of his catches so early on in the year. They couldn't figure out a way to open up holes for him. And honestly, his his ability to run the football in the NFL improved dramatically from the first half to the second half of the season. When yeah, you watch the way he ran the ball, it, he he stopped with the with trying to bounce everything outside because this team wasn't wasn't creating those holes, and the NFL is faster. Right, but. Forget it. the the NFL The NFL should be very afraid of what Saquon Barkley is going to rain on them for the next eight to twelve years. Next award. Go ahead, David. Who is your comeback player of the year? And I think it's easy. And what's really disappointing is the comeback player of the year is a guy who still managed to miss four games this year. Odo Beckham Jr. You know he played how many games last year? He played three games last year. Yeah, not year. many. He got hurt against the Chargers. I remember that. I just don't and remember I, at what, I was, at I was what at point that in the year that was. I was too. You want me to want me to give you a stat line from this year? Please. 12 games played, 77 catches, 1052 yards, 1,052 yards per, recep- yards per reception, 13.7, which is right on line with his career average, six touchdown passes, six touchdown catches, excuse me. And any other... He had a longer 50 run. He had a long, longest reception was 51. His catching percentage dipped down. Eh, I would say it's right around average. Um, 62.1% total touches, rushing attempts, and receptions, 82. 12 games. So, so I, 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 it's just out of habit that I do this kind of thing. So you, you look at those numbers, and when, when I'm, I'm saying when a guy misses you know, three, four, five games, I think it's appropriate to then say, let's take his averages and let's say this is what his stat line, you know, if he finished the year. If he finished the year, he'd probably be right around 100 catches, um, right like you know, 99 if you're, if you're thinking he averaged about six catches a game, which is a li- probably actually a little low. So right around 99, 100 catches. Probably would have gotten to the neighborhood of uh, 1350, 1400 yards. That's a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl season. It's a Pro Bowl season that's all pro. That's Odo Beckham. That's an Odo Beckham season. So I think anybody who was afraid of uh, last year, I heard, I heard a lot of chatter last year, especially when all of the talks about, because his contract was up last year, all the talks about the trade, you know, trading him and the Rams and the Browns and all of that nonsense. And I, the, the number one, the number one knock against paying him was always, well, you don't know if he's going to be healthy. You don't know, you know, his, his game is prime is based solely, not solely, but primarily on quickness and ability to make cuts. And it's an ankle injury. And he he shut everybody up. They paid him. It was worth it. Don't trade him. Thank you, Dave Gettleman, for put, allowing me to rest easy a little bit by saying you don't trade a guy to, pay, to you don't pay a guy to trade him. Yeah, we didn't yeah. we didn't sign him just to trade him. Exactly, it's it's stupid. Comeback player of the year. It's it's a no brainer, honestly. There's nobody else that on this team that deserves that more. Yeah, and you might be wondering why we would give a comeback player comeback player of the year to a guy in the Giants who played 12 games and he missed the final four weeks of the season. Well, part of me thinks that maybe he would have missed two weeks. But oh, he would come back. He would have been on the field if we were in a situation where games actually somewhat quote unquote mattered. He would have been on the football field and he would have been balling out. So, 
for the injury that he went through and all and and not just the injury but all of the things that this man went through where everybody was questioning him they were questioning his character um they were questioning everything about him and they still do people still do still with the trade should we trade Odell Beckham Jr arguments are still going on and they're still continuing i think that he beckham is more important than saquon for for the giants success that's just me i just think that that's who he is cuz if you look at it, Saquon's kind of like the perfect kind of prototypical guy that you want to hold up you know, on the on the top of your mountain and say, this is what we want all of our football players to be. But Beckham's kind of, he's been through, he's been through, he's been put through the mill, self-induced. <laughs> a lot of it has been self-induced. But basically, if you're if you're a rookie and you're coming in and you have a lot and you have all the talent in the world, look at Beckham and the journey that he's gone through. The only kind of situation or trouble that he got himself into this year was the current was the game was the quotes that he had right before the Carolina game, which that was the best game. What was one of the best games the offense had all season. I think he really propelled and pushed Shermer and Eli to have really one of their best games before the bye. So if that's the only trouble that he got in this season, he really showed a tremendous amount of growth this season. And I think he's more important for the giant success than Saquon. Yeah. And I, I, I actually agree with you. And, and the craziest thing also is everyone's going to highlight, you know, what you're talking about him coming, you know, before Carolina doing that interview. And what people don't realize is this quote unquote maturity growth. This started last year. You know, this started even, even in the beginning of the year when they weren't winning games, and and he was still playing. I think he got hurt in week four. Yes, I believe they were zero and three, and he kept his head down. You know, just kept grinding, kept doing his thing. And, you know, he was he was good with the media. He says things that you'd expect a passionate guy to say about a team that's not playing well. But I, I really think his Josh Norman kicking net, taking his helmet off on the field, and drawing penalties. You know, P- punching holes in locker rooms. I think that's over. I don't. I don't care about punching holes in locker rooms. So what? I really don't care if you punch a hole in the locker room. You're out of the. You're you're out of the cameras. Just don't hurt yourself when you do it. I don't mind you taking frustrate. Take frustration out on on the locker room wall, not Josh Norman's head. But I think all of it is is behind him. Unfortunately, it's going. It's go. It's never going to leave him. When you do like that kind of thing in New York and the kind of talent that he is, you're never going to lose that stigma. But I think it's just time to view Odo Beckham as a very, very, very talented football player. As long as Mike Francesa is alive, he will never, ever lose that bugaboo about him. Never. The Giants have looked much better. Mike Francesa. (laughs) Okay. Next award. I have an award. The Happy Wife, Happy Life Award. David, do you want to guess who this is going to? The Happy Wife, Happy Life Award. Yes. I have no idea. It's going to Eli Manning. Why? Why? Eli Manning, before the Week 17 Dallas game, before the game, took pictures with his three daughters, and that resulted Twitter to kind of giant Twitter to go in a little bit of a frenzy. Oh, my God. Just like Tom Coughlin took pictures with his family before 2015, before that game, and then the Giants fired him. Oh, this is it. This is it. Is this it? Question mark. No one knows. But then he, Eli Manning went on WFAN 
and he said that he took a similar photo with his daughters after the game in 2017. So nobody panic. Eli Manning will be back. But one of the quotes that he said in that interview is happy wife, happy life. I guess maybe his wife wanted them to take pictures. So happy wife, happy life. Good for you, Eli. Eli's a great guy. He's a great guy. And he's a good quarterback. What a stellar human being. Yep. Dad bod. Um, yeah, so this is this award is called the I wasn't signed to the team to actually play football. Now you can kind of if you really were listening to Dave Gettleman's press conference, you you can argue that you can give this to two guys. David, who do you think this is going to? I personally think it should go it goes to Patrick Omame. And then I love Jonathan Stort, and it should also go to him. But Jonathan Stort is really going to take this. Patrick Omame could be an honorable mention. But really, did Jonathan Stort even take any regular season snaps this year? Yes, I believe he did. Okay, well, I, I early. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at that. And then wasn't it crazy how like there was a point this year where he was like eligible to return from injured reserve and from whatever injury he had, and then I think the Giants were just like, no thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this year, Jonathan Stewart had six carries for 17 yards. Wow, legend. Yep. Legend. Um, yeah. Yes. So Dave Gettleman during his press conference, what he basically, somebody asked him, rightly so, reporters were asking him about the Omame and Jonathan Stewart signings, which both add up to be $9 million on the Giants cap this year. And he basically said, well, we didn't exactly sign both of those guys to play football. We kind of signed him as like, veteran presence, veteran leadership in the locker room. We didn't necessarily sign them to play football. So, um, Jonathan Stork, congratulations. You weren't actually signed to play the game, to actually play the game of football. Congratulations, buddy. You get that award. Are we ready for next? We're ready. Let's move on. Biggest tank fan. The biggest fan of the tank on the New York football giants goes to Curtis Riley. Single-handedly <laughs> gave away two touchdowns in that Dallas game, and there were just, you could look at every week and just see the pitiful efforts of tackling, coverage, interceptions would be sitting in his lap, and he would find a way to drop them. Curtis Riley, clearly biggest fan of the tank. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I rattled my brain to come up with a different one. I really, really tried. I, there's no other answer. I mean, Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers was a huge fan of the tank, but then the Giants... No, they... Eric Flowers was just bad. Was just a oh, very bad football player. Eric Flowers was a huge fan of the tank. No, I don't think so. I, I, I really don't think so. He hates Eli Manning so much that he would just... Here, I want Eli to get hit so they can just replace him. Or he can get hurt. That's why he was so bad. He didn't like Eli. That's a hot... I, I, I never heard that one before. That's a hot take, right? That's a Mike Francesa take. Conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's and Mike huge. Frances- <laughs> and Mike Francesa would know because he's been to a lot of football games. And he and he's like best friends with Eli. So Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, if you ask Eli Matt, he wouldn't agree. It's one of those situations where, like, you know, I call you my best friend, but you're not I'm not really your best friend. You know? You're you're my you're my best friend? It's purely hypothetical, Justin. Oh, okay. I I consider you to be my you're a good friend of mine, David. I didn't say good friend and best friend are different things. See, I, I think that this mm. is the exact conversation that Mike Francesa and Lee Manning have to have. Mm. Mm. 
Eli Manning's wife definitely like, you know, over dinner says to Eli Manning, that that Mike Francesa guy, he's kind of weird. You know, babe, you're like he, on the phone with annoying. him every week. You're like, on the phone with him every week. What do you doesn't, doesn't he know you have a wife? <laughs> and a life, a wife and a life and a, and a kite. What? All right. Next award. Next award. The best fake Boston accent award goes oh, to Dave God. Gettleman, which we already gave. We already on. heard your Boston accent. We'll need to hear it again. Eli and I had a very extensive conversation on Monday. Um, no holds barred. Uh, he, he took me in the low post and won, but you know the bottom line is it was a very honest and upfront conversation. I'll keep what was said private between he and I. We will do what's in the best interest of the New York football giants. That's the way we've operated since I walked in the door, and that's the way we will continue to operate. I can't even, I can't, I, I knew that I should have listened to parts of that Dave Gettleman press conference again before we started recording this, so then I could try to give a truly good one, but I can't even do it. Yeah, next, okay. n- next episode, next episode, I promise. Uh, to do okay. the whole. Next episode, I promise to do the whole episode in Dave Gettleman fake Boston accent. Most gifable giant. Dave, do you know what a gif is or a gif? I, I do. You do? You're aware that they're like moving pictures that isn't an MP4 file, but it's uh, like short I, I, enough. I'm confused. Are you being sarcastic? I'm, I'm telling you what a gif is or a gif, just in case anybody doesn't know. Okay. Then no, Justin. What is it? I just told you what it was. You, oh. uncultured swine, go look it up. Most gifable giant or gifable, Pat Shermer, just multiple times throughout the season. One of my favorite. It's probably my favorite parts of the season because if you're a listener to this podcast, you know that I'm not the biggest Eli Manning fan. So you could actually see it. Read my lips. Pat Shermer would be like, "Throw the ball to Odell," or. What are you doing, Eli? He would have like these moments where he would get so bad at Eli, or he would just be like in such disbelief about anything. Like there was this one gif or gif that he it was like seven to nothing in the Titans game, and he was just like in a two-point stance, just staring off into space as the rain was falling down. And it was just so funny. So um, yeah, throw the ball to Odell. Yeah, that was my that that was probably my favorite. Like, what are you doing? Favorite gif gif of the season. I think that was against the Falcons where he had that uh where he had that yeah. gif or gif. Um yes, it was. yes. Do you have a favorite uh most gifable giant? Because I mean you can argue that Curtis Riley was a pretty gifable I, player because I actually tend to go with Eli Manning. He's memeable, he's gifable, yes. he's gifable, he's lovable. He's Eli Manning. I I he's just so unathletic. That if you just take him doing anything and just keep watching it over and over again, like a gif is, it's funny. He just doesn't look like he should be a football player. He also just has the most amazing facial expressions on the face of the planet. No, but it's only it's only one facial expression though. It's not many. No, he has different versions of it. It's 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 different versions of there's of the blank stare and there's nothing yes. going on in my brain. It's just different <laughs> yes. versions. <of> it. <laughs> Yeah. There's no activity or movement in my brain. Right. So the giant upside award. Who would who would you give this to, David? So I'm really excited about this award. This award goes to Aldrich Rosas. Whoa. 
Big all one. Pro silently probably besides Saquon Barkley had the second best season on the Giants. Should have been an MVP. Uh, I'm, I'm not that crazy. I'm not Mike Francesa. <laughs> no, he. I mean, he's he's one of two Pro Bowlers on the team, or three. This was a guy who was supposed to be possibly cut after last year. He was he was unimpressive. Um, he was inconsistent. And in a year where kickers just seem to have a really hard time functioning, he was one of the only kickers in the NFL that seems to, no matter what the situation, what the, you know, distance, he comes, he just kept coming through. He did a great job on kickoffs all year. You know, I, I saw somewhere that the Giants went from 32nd to 3rd in um, special teams efficiency this year. That I believe that includes things like, Feel like converted field goals, but also punt coverage, kick coverage, things like that. A lot of that has to do with Alger Grossas. His kickoffs were fantastic. They they always, you know, if it was a design short kick to allow return to to cover it, he executed. He just executed everywhere they needed him to. I I and he's young. I I think NFL fans underestimate, and I think little by little, as more teams get burned by their kickers, a la Cody Parkey. Um, the kick was blocked. Hey, it was blocked. Hey, was blocked. Okay, yeah, but he also hit, I think, six uprights in like the last five weeks. Anyway, I know. I know. Um, I know. I think Giants fans need to understand the uh, importance of locking up a solid kicker. Yeah. Um, the only field goal that he missed this year was from fifty plus yards. Every single field goal that he had from twenty to twenty nine, thirty to thirty nine, forty to forty nine, he made. And he only missed one extra point. So, and what was he from fifty plus? He was four for five. Yeah, I'll take that. That's a that's a pretty good season. It's a very good season. It is. My giant upside award is going to Lorenzo Carter. He's also a runner up to the most gifable giant too. Just because there would just be times where it'd be just be so pretty him coming off on third down on the right or left side of the offensive line and making some plays in the backfield on some quarterbacks. So he would be pretty fun to make some gifts of. Limited playing time throughout the year, only 40% of the snaps all season defensively. He only got 40% of the snaps defensively, mainly used as a third-down pass rusher, 40-something tackles, four sacks, four passes batted down, and now I'm going to bring up a quote from an article because it was really good. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants can use – Lorenzo Carter going into next season. There was a really good article on NJ on NJ.com. I forgot on NJ.com about how he really wants to push himself. He's going to bulk up a little bit this offseason, even though he's already 250 pounds. He's going to bulk up a little bit this offseason to try to become a three down outside linebacker more than just the third down pass rusher. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Giants do around him because Olivier Vernon, if they cut him, it saves $11.5 million in cap space. Connor Barwin, not good, and he was unhappy with his reduced playing time as the year went on. And Kareem Martin, despite receiving 55% of the defensive snaps this season, he only gave us one and a half sacks. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Giants do around Lorenzo Carter. But I think it's very clear that when we did see Lorenzo Carter, he made some noise. Yeah, absolutely. And, And that pretty much started from the beginning of the year. Uh, he he didn't take a long time to get acclimated, I think, to the speed of the NFL. He he's a good example of what 
NFL pass rush has become. Um, one of those hybrid guys who's just flat out faster than a lot of tackles, but stronger than tight ends and running backs who try to chip him. So I think the Giants definitely have at least a an, an average to above average uh, pass rusher on a team that lacks pass rush dramatically. The Hog Molly Award will be given to Nate Solder and Will Hernandez. I have to give it to both of them. That's a cop-out. You're a cop-out. Pro Football Focus grades, second half of the season, specifically for Nate Solder, went up tremendously. And I, for one, am so, so happy and glad and thank the Lord that Nate Solder actually looked decent the second half of the season because that first half of the season was bad. It was so bad. It looked like the worst contract in, like, Giants history. Um, But I'm very excited for the potential that specifically those two have going into next season. Nate Solder, he's getting kind of older, but he's still at that age range where you could still get some very good productive offensive line play. And the fact that he's knock on wood had zero health problems and the best avail, the best ability is availability. Uh, And even though the pro football focus grades for Will Hernandez, they were kind of faltering. He had his good weeks. He had his bad weeks. Definitely every single week, there would be blocks where Will Hernandez would be pulling on the right or the left side, and, you, and you're like, that's just a real nice block. And, you know, you had a couple of those moments. And it's tough for offensive linemen for you to look at offensive linemen and to say, hey, that's a nice moment or that's a nice play. Because a lot of the times when you're looking at offensive linemen, it's, hey, that was a shitty play or, hey, way to hold on that play. So Will Hernandez, Nate, I'm excited to see what that left side of the offensive line could do next year. They get my Hog Molly Award. My Hog Molly Award goes to Jamon Brown. Whoa. You sign a guy off of a good team scrap heap. He comes in, and suddenly you're able to run the ball. And suddenly you're able to protect a little bit. Suddenly, simple you know, twist stunts by uh, an opposing defense doesn't boggle your mind the way it seemed to boggle Patrick Omame's mind. You know, uh, towards the end of the year, he I, I remember seeing a couple plays where, you know, could have been better. But he came in as a guy who was an afterthought on another team. And you speak to Nate Solder getting a lot better in the second half of the season. I I honestly think a lot of that goes to, goes to um, Jamon Brown. Because, you know, just as well as I do, because we talk about the offensive line a lot. Offensive line play is primarily about the unit. It's not about... Your it is. I mean, it's about individual ability and individual play at times, but more often than not, it's about you being on on the same page as the guy next to you and the guy next to you and the guy. So, I think early on in the year, I mean, Eric Eric Flowers, Patrick Mama, they had no idea what they were doing, and we knew that coming into the year. You plug in and, Jamon Brown, and suddenly the offensive line fu- functioned as a unit. And particularly when you have a new offense as well, and Dave Gettleman pointed this out in the press conference as well. Particularly when you have a new offense, it's t- it's tough to gel together, and the off and this is why this is such a disadvantage to have the lim- the limited practice time with the new CBA that happened a few years ago during training camp is that it's tougher for the offensive line to really get that chemistry, and it you Giants fans basically had to wait until November to really see a fluid, efficient offensive line. So, Dave, here's my question for you because the right side of the offensive line still does need work. Is Jamon Brown going to be starting for the Giants next year, or 
will he be the outright starter come training camp or do you think they could possibly bring somebody else in what do you what's your what's your what's your opinion on that i think he's in the conversation i i don't i don't think you just hand it to him because the offensive line still wasn't wasn't good in the second half of the year it still needs a lot of work obviously but i would say you need to replace chad wheeler before you need to replace jamon brown it's also worth you know it's also worth noting the set who who i'm 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 drawing a blank. Who is the center for most of the year? Spencer Pulley. Spencer Pulley. Spencer Pulley's not a center, right? Right, yeah, but it was kind of like the same thing. John Jalapio initially wasn't a center. He was a guard, and it was actually the same thing with what's-his-face that's now in Minnesota. Brett Jones. But a lot of these guys aren't centers to begin with. So you look at Spencer Pulley was originally a guard. John Jalapio, originally a guard, converted into center. Brett Jones converted into center originally a guard. So yeah. Yeah. I just think that, you know, there's a couple of guys on, on the offensive line who either didn't play or did, you know, Jalapio being the guy who didn't play, who they want that he was a starter. He was going to be their starter all year. You know, he apparently played really well in camp impressed in preseason and gets hurt almost immediately. So I think the right side of the offensive line is still going to be figured out. I think they're still moving parts and there's guys that, we need to see what they bring next year. But I definitely think Javon Brown is part of that conversation, if not right now, the favor to keep his starting spot. I think you look to replace Pulley and Wheeler before Javon Brown. Well, the replacement for Pulley is John Jalapio. Jalapio. Like, they're going to they're gonna roll with – I guarantee they're going to roll with him. So you're going to have Jalapio and Pulley as the center – Pulley can also be a guard, so hopefully the Giants don't trade Spencer Pulley just like they did Brett Jones, because Brett Jones was supposed to be really good, a really good depth piece for this year, but they traded him away. Hopefully the Giants can, I don't know what Spencer Pulley's contract situation is, hopefully they can either bring him back or keep him, good depth piece. Um, so Jalapio's your center, so nobody's hap- so nothing's happening there. Jamon Brown right now is going to be possibly your starter. So and then the only part of the line is you're looking at getting a new right tackle. So right. that's, yeah. you know, yeah. It is, it is nice to go into an offseason and not feel like the offensive line is the number one issue on the team. Right, but it also it's, can't it's be ignored. No, absolutely. It's not, it's not done. It's not good. It's better. All right, David, what's your, what's your next award? The next few awards are ones that you made up, so take it away. It All right, so... My next award is the most unreasonably hated by Giants Twitter slash universe. And trust me, it's a long list. I almost put Eli Manning, but I decided that'd be too controversial. But he already um, got the happy, the happy life, happy wife. Happy, award. <laughs> not all the way around, but it's okay. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, for me, it goes to Olivier Vernon. And look, I understand why people get frustrated with Olivier Vernon and why people doubt his worth to the team but the point is he had seven sacks this year he was pro football focus's second highest giant of the year and without fail every single game during every single you know week leading up to a game i would read comments i'd read tweets saying olivier vernon is the biggest ghost on the giants he just does disappearing acts he doesn't do anything i something tells me those are the people who miss the game Type ESPN.com, search Olivier Vernon, see that he had three tackles, no sacks, or a half a sack, um, and that's it, you know, on, on 59 snaps. 
what people don't realize is an edge rusher does so much more than and he now he's not an edge rusher he's considered an outside linebacker but his position is worth so much more than simply sack numbers and tackle numbers he's if he's doing his job correctly he's doing that but he's also allowing for a guy like Landon Collins to make tackles in the backfield for a guy like Lorenzo Carter to get around on the edge easier BJ Hill on the inside BJ Hill on the inside exactly and i think he i think he did that and and i think people just people are uncomfortable with the fact that he's got such a big contract for a guy who whose name you don't seem to call a lot during a game but that's just because you're going to call the guy who made the, who who made the tackle but you're not going to call the guy who created the created the opportunity for the tackle he does so many things during a game that that seems to go unnoticed and you know everybody his big knock last year was he's got durability issues he stayed on the field for the most part this year he, he struggled in the beginning of the year with injuries but i just think we need to relax giants giants universe just needs to relax about Olivier Vernon and just just the hatred that we have for him. He makes a lot of money. But I honestly think if he was not on the team, you would really notice it. Yeah. He played 11 games this year. And if I some, – some thoughts on Ovi. 11 games. I tweeted out the pro football focus where he was the second highest rated player on the Giants. And a guy – responded and said oh what do they take pass pressures as part of the pro football focus grades yes of course <laughs> it's like part of pass rushing yes like hits qb hits and um, the amount of times that olivier vernon puts pressure on a quarterback is taken into account yes um so i mean look at they, look at yeah. when the giants have been really good in the past it's i mean they've got very high sack numbers but think about the super bowls Right, every Giants fan wants to jump to the Super Bowls. What did the Giants do to the Patriots that no other team did? They made Tom Brady's jersey dirty, and it wasn't purely in sack numbers. It was every time he was dropping back, he's getting hit. Every time he's dropping back, there's guys in his, there's guys in his face, there's guys in his arms, there's guys in his legs. So yes, that's part of being a pass rusher, and I and I just think so many people can't comprehend that that. You can you can be productive while not actually getting a tangible stat. I would say a comparison. Olivier Vernon is the Giants version of Jacoby Ellsbury for the Yankees. He is. Well, I think he plays a bit more than Jacoby Ellsbury plays. Yeah, no, but still, like, the, the Yankees fans have such a hatred for Jacoby Ellsbury when if you actually look at his numbers, he's not like a bad baseball player. It's just a terrible contract. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doubting it's a bad for when it comes to OV. It's a bad contract, yeah. But it's the reality you're in. You know what I don't understand is Janoris Jenkins has a bad contract too. I don't know why he gets a pass. No, I think he's, no. But he he that he's not a bad contract in my opinion. I I think I think he's so up and down. Oh no, you're killing me, David. He's up and down. You're killing me. And this is a great transition to. I really, 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 really want you to be on the 2019 Giants Award, and that's going to Janoris Jenkins. I don't disagree with you. I like Junior Jenkins, and I think he's a good football player. I think he's good for the Giants. I think they need him. That being said, my, my, when you know, when it comes to Snacks Harrison, Olivier Vernon, and Janoris Jenkins, 
they all get compared because they were signed in that in that offseason where the Giants just went on a spending spree for the defense. And they all made a lot of money. They they were all paid pretty 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 nicely. And I think we get on Vernon because Vernon's got the biggest contract out of the three of them. But I think he produced just as much as Janoris Jenkins. I don't know why and, and there are corners in the NFL, corners at his caliber that are not making quite as much money as he's making. Okay. Yeah. And he just consistently gets a pass, even though the Giants continue to have a poor pass defense. So I just think it's I just think it's very interesting how we ju- we just don't enjoy watching football games. We would just rather complain about the guy who makes a lot of money. And it doesn't make any sense. But go ahead. I, I took your I took your I really 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 want you to be on the Giants 2019 award. No, I no I I, I really want him, and that's uh, and that's basically it. I I think he still has that. 2016 lockdown performance in him, and I want him on the team. There was one guy that I had to choose to be either traded or cut because I think one of them is going. Um, it would be, I would want to keep Jenkins between the two of them. Between the two of them, if I had to okay. keep one of them, trade slash cut the other, trade cut Vernon, it would be tough. Trade cut Vernon, keep Jenkins. Okay. Now, my I really, really, really want you on the team in 2019 award is if you had asked me like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, would not have been the case. It goes to Evan Ingram. Because there's a lot of chatter and I was part of part of pot. Yeah, I was part of the stirring that said Evan Ingram's going to be traded. He should be traded. Some team will want him. They'll give up a decent amount for him. And the Giants seem to fare better anyway with uh, Scott Simonson and Red Ellison playing. Wrong. But man, he really came on at the end of the year. He he really showed what he can do, um, what a weapon he can be. He just needs to catch the ball a little more consistently. He needs to improve his blocking a little bit. But when 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 the Giants are able to get him the ball creatively, he is really really dangerous. My dog just barked for no reason. Woof! There you hear it. Woof! He's upset. Yeah. So I think um, Evan Ingram needs to be on the team next year. All right. uh, So, Justin, most confusing player of the year. The most confusing award goes to. Most confusing award goes to Alec Ogletree. Um, It seemed like, especially the second half of the year, it was one game up, one game down. His bad plays were pitiful. You know, he probably, probably not the sole reason, but he, his fourth down play against the Eagles was the reason why the, the Giants lost that game at that point. But then second half of the year, he's picking balls off left and right, making one-handed picks, pick sixes, game-altering plays. He just couldn't decide if he wanted to be good or not. He, he kept giving you glimpses of what everybody, everybody, everyone's been waiting for him to do in his career. And then he would take it all away just as fast as he gave it to you. Do you have a most confusing player? I would have to agree with you on Alec Ogletree because coming into the season – Everybody's like, oh, this is a great trait. This is this guy's like a top 10 linebacker in the NFL. And then he comes in and he just absolutely shits the bed. So that's, uh, I would have to agree with you on the most confusing. What's next, David? Okay. Um, most intriguing interview slash press conference. For me, it is without a doubt Josina Anderson, Lil Wayne, and OBJ, and in parentheses, Eli Manning, because he was a part of it. Very simply, what the hell was that? 
So for anybody who doesn't know, it was right before the Carolina Panthers game. We alluded to this interview earlier earlier in, uh, in this episode. It was basically the episode where uh, Odell called out Pat Shermer, Eli Manning, the offense. Lil Wayne was there promoting his album. One really cool thing I got I got out of that interview, Odell Beckham has a sick leg tattoo. Well, he has a lot it? of them. I mean, he has yeah, a lot but of them. he's got a real uh, – his leg tattoos are really cool. Um, just, you know, for the record. Tattoos yeah. give me the heebie-jeebies. Same, same. But I, I enjoy looking at a good tattoo. Ooh. Uh, all right, yeah. I'm gonna clip. I'm gonna clip that, and then I'm. That's gonna be a. That's, that's gonna, gonna be, be a soundbite. Sound it's gonna be a soundbite. <laughs> I really enjoy looking at a good tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a most intriguing interview? Well, the most intriguing part about that was Lil Wayne is a huge Eli Manning fan, and Eli Manning was then asked about, "Hey, did you know that Lil Wayne is a huge fan of you?" And then Eli was like. No, who's Lil Wayne? And then Lil Wayne was like, "Fuck!" And then Lil Wayne was like, no, fuck, "Fuck you, Eli Manning." Pretty sure the actual line was, "What's Lil Wayne?" Oh, what's it what's wasn't a, even. <laughs> I don't, he didn't know what Lil Wayne was, which honestly, I think a lot of people look at Lil Wayne and say, "What is that?" I'm not entirely sure. He truly, but, he truly did look like a lost, confused man on that. Did you see him perform during the halftime show during the national championship? Lil Wayne. Yeah, he he looked like he just took clothes that he found randomly on the sidewalk, and then he put him on his body, and then he came out and he started rapping and performing for. But wouldn't shock me if he did for the world and for America. And I was like, okay, Lil Wayne. And then Eli Manning was like, oh, that's Lil, that's a Lil Wayne, that's a Lil Wayne. That's right what there. a Lil Wayne. That is an that is a Wayne that's little. All right, yes. so I basically gave my award for biggest bed shitter. But you have somebody different for this award. I said it was Al Gogoltree, and I'm going to fight you on this. So who is it, David? Okay. So, and this hurts because this is potentially one of my favorite giants. He, well, he is my favorite, one of my favorite giants. Um, biggest bed shitter for, for me in 2019 goes to Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard had a promising, productive, all-in-all solid rookie season. Or, no, this was his third season. But it's hard to count last season because by the end of the year, nobody was healthy and it was an absolute disaster. Um, he had a, he had a solid rookie season. Last year was a wash. This year, I was really looking forward to seeing him really embrace the number two, you know, slot receiver role. And he doubled his drops from last year, four to eight. He had eight drops. That's a lot. It just continues to prove that when he's number one option, he cannot get open. Um, you know, he's, he's just not an option. His, his numbers just decreased. His targets decreased. He just doesn't make himself a viable option for Eli Manning. That being said, I love Sterling Shepard. I think he is a, he, I think he's a good receiver. I just don't think he had a good year. I think he had a good game here and there. He had a really big game against the Falcons, if I remember correctly, but they're too few and far between. He needs to become the, the Robin to, um, Beckham's Batman. Odell, Odell's Batman. He just needs to figure out a way to do that, and he hasn't been able to break through yet. And I was expecting this to be the year. Now, he did have more targets than last year, David. He had 107 targets compared to 2017's 84. He had 66 catches, which was the most in his career so far. 872 yards, the most in his career. Yards per reception, 13.2, most in his career. Touchdowns, he had four this year. He had eight his rookie year. He had two last year. Um, 
His catch percentage was 61.7%, which is kind of insane. 66 catches for 107 targets is kind of insane. You know, for I was one on Twitter and I was one on this podcast to say, oh, if Eli Manning was half as accurate as he is with Sterling Shepard as he is with Beckham, Beckham would be Jerry Rice. But that's kind of shocking to see how many targets he actually had to catches that ratio. So I'm kind of shocked that you're this like adamant to say that, you know, 872 yards isn't that bad. And to, you know, obviously Sterling, she- Sterling Shepard isn't going to be out here catching 10 touchdown passes because that's not his role. So to say that he's the biggest bed shitter, I'm kind of shocked, David. He's he, got, he's uh, he's gotten the game ball a few times on this podcast. He has, he has. I'm not saying he, okay. Well, this is why I didn't. I wanted to call this just simply the biggest disappointment. You wanted to call it biggest bed shitter because it's funny. Yeah, but it's more negative than than biggest disappointment. I'm when I say biggest disappointment, I mean I I was thinking this was going to be his year where he became dynamic. He became a somebody that defenses really need to figure out a way to stop. You know, you need mm-hmm. to find a way to double team Beckham and somehow you deal with Sterling Shepard. But it seems to me that most teams are able to deal with him. He's going to make plays because he's a good football player and he's got intangibles. But he just, he has a lot of targets. Yes. But I don't know. I want to see the yards. I want to see the yards increase. I, I honestly view the Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard to be with the potential to be Antonio Brown and Juju Smith Schuster. And Sterling Shepard's just not that yet. And I, I really thought that this was going to be the year where he became a weapon in and of himself, apart from Odell Beckham. And I, I think he really he still needs Saquon as a weapon. He needs Odell Beckham as a weapon. He needs to be on the slot corner. He needs to be they need to find a way to utilize him as opposed to him just being offense. If that makes any sense. I hope they just flat out convert Evan Ingram to wide receiver. Because I think they that honestly would just... should. That would make everyone's life so much easier. That would make all the people that say that Eli Manning needs a big body receiver. Um, Evan Ingram isn't that good. Obviously, Evan Ingram has the acceleration of a tight end, but then once he gets out into open space, he's fast. He can do some dynamic fly. things. Yeah. And because of his big size, if you convert him to a, to a wide receiver, the lack of acceleration off of the line doesn't make that such a big deal. So. I think that helps everybody out if they could just convert Evan Ingram as a wide receiver. Um, so, David, we're running a little bit long. A little bit. Any? <laughs> yeah, but we want to. We want to continue. I, I. I mean, I said that we were that we were going to continue the Yankee episodes during the offseason, but we never did. It may not be every week, but I certainly do want to continue the Giants episodes. If anything, maybe we'll talk about like Giants classic seasons. Like, I want to get into. I was having a conversation with somebody about the 1997 Giants on Twitter a guy named Sean and we were having a conversation about the 97 giants. So if anything, we can revisit past years. We can have conversations about past games, maybe some classic games that we've been to. Cause David and I have been to many, 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 many a giants games, sad we're and starting, happy ones. We're, we're starting to become Mike Francesa. Um, That's no, you're sounding no we're, like we're trying to create content when, well, so is he, a, unfortunately he's got a job every day and he needs to create content. <laughs> We're trying to create a content when a content isn't really when the stove is cold to use a to use a baseball phrase. Um, but we'll uh, you'll be hearing from us, especially as free agency and the draft heats up. But uh, David, any kind of final thoughts? Justin, thank you for having me for this tumultuous season. I think the Giants are on the right path. 
Dwayne Haskins will be the next Giant. Well, not, not, not the next Giants quarterback. He will be drafted. He's going to be the next Giants draft pick. Eli wow. Manning is the starting quarterback in 2019. Wow. I don't, I, hey, um, that's, that's wishful, hopeful thinking. Uh, I think the Giants go pass rusher, but let's just see how everything plays out. It's been pretty cool as my nose and my crummy voice is coming back. Um, <laughs> it's been pretty cool covering the Giants. It's been the first full season that we've been kind of covering the Giants full time. Not full, well, covering the Giants, not like beat reporters, but like covering as as Bleeding Blue as a podcast. It's been pretty cool. The numbers have gone up as the years as the year has gone on. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to be looking forward to a second season where we can implement some more things now that we kind of know what we're doing. David will be on for the full year. So, um, you know, you know what I have to say, David? We have to say. Keep on Bleeding Blue. We'll see everybody eventually. Peace out. Sayonara. Go Giants. Go Yankees. Sign Machado.